When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Today's episode of Working is brought to you by Carbonite. Keep your business safe this year. Protect files on your computer or server with automatic cloud backup from Carbonite. Try it free without a credit card at carbonite.com and use offer code WORKING to get two free bonus months if you decide to buy. Welcome to Working, Slate's podcast about what people do all day. I'm Jacob Rogan, and I write about technology and culture for Slate. This week on Working, we're talking to my friend Jason McGavro. About a year ago, Jason left his office-bound life to take up a new career as a dog walker. Now he's on his feet for seven-plus hours at a stretch. He told us about the process of getting to know his new clients, both the humans and the dogs, and he showed off his dog-walking fanny pack, including an enormous ring of keys and a few other surprising items. And in a Slate Plus Extra, Jason told us about his nemesis, a unicycling dog walker. This guy is somehow a real person, despite seeming like a Portlandia sketch come to life. For a free trial of Slate Plus, visit slate.com slash working plus. If you haven't joined Slate Plus yet, this is the time. I promise it will not disappoint. Can you tell us uh, who you are and what you do? My name is Jason McGavero, and I'm a dog walker. So how long have you been dog walking? Uh, a little more than a year now. How did you get into that? I decided to leave my old job um, to do this, and that same day, a very good friend of mine ran into Megan, who runs the company that I now work for, out walking some other dogs on 18th Street. She said that she was about to lose two walkers, and I said, get me on the phone with her right now. Um, you know, I, I called in sick that Friday, went on a walk along with her and put in my two weeks the following Monday. So you work with an agency then? Is that how it works? Yeah, it's very small, very loose. Uh, we're all 1099 contractors. Megan, who I'm sure is listening, stresses, I'm not your boss. You know, she's 
We were trying to think of an actual title for her, Den Mother, I guess. She runs the show. She takes care of admin and a lot of client relations and financial stuff. What's the name of the company that you work for? Fairy Tales. I think it's an unspoken rule with DC uh, pet care companies that they have to have a pun name. For example, uh, my friend Robin runs Wolf Pack. My friend Tay runs Sassy Steps. There's Wag Time and Wagamuffin and, well, Fairy Tales. And I, you know, I, I hope that your learned audience was able to infer this. It's, it's T-A-I-L-S. <laughs> so do you find new clients through the company or, uh, or do you have to track down clients yourself? It's almost entirely word of mouth. It's pretty easy. The word gets out. You know, this company is really good. And we have, last time I checked, uh, universal five-star reviews on Yelp, which does not hurt at all. Nice. Yeah. So how many dogs do you walk, all told? On an average day, somewhere between 12 to 15. Mondays and Fridays are usually the lightest ones because those are when people are most likely to work from home or take a long weekend. So it can be as few as five or six. And on really heavy days, it can push 20. So when you're starting to work with a new dog or when you're first meeting a dog or family, how many times do you meet with the dog owners? Uh, once. Just once? Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Megan and or I will show up, show that the company is bonded and insured, you know, present our ID so that, you know, we're, we're not just some some people trying to steal your dog. And the owners will talk about, you know, the, the particularities of the dog, you know, um, Medical needs, dietary needs, behavioral tics, and you can tell right off the bat. I mean, first impressions are usually pretty accurate. You know, if it's a four-month-old pointer puppy who immediately jumps up on you and starts trying to nibble or, or kiss you, that's going to be their personality forever. If it's just an older dog who is chill but mostly keeps to themselves, that holds true throughout the rest of the time with your with the dog. So you have to have a lot of kind of instinct to For the dogs sure. to figure out how to take them out or when to work with them? Yeah, yeah. It's usually two or three dogs at a time. So one of the biggest factors is gauging the dog's personality and making sure that, you know, you've not got two hyper-energetic dogs at the same time because it's it's just not going to be as fun for the dogs or, or anyone involved, you know, myself included. <laughs> Generally speaking, how long does it take to get to know a dog well enough to walk? Um, you know, dogs' personalities are they're as, as rich and wide and varied as, as people's, but they're also pretty easy to suss out from uh, from second one. Have you ever had a dog that that really didn't like you? Yeah, there was. Uh, there was one dog at some point. A slightly overweight white beardo was clearly not nice to this dog, and this dog was just not into it. And just to be clear, um, are you characterizing yourself as a slightly overweight bearded? Yes. I could not be more of a type. <laughs> the, the tattooed pudgy white beardo who walks dogs. Yeah. It just wasn't going to work. And last I heard, the dog has a female walker and is doing fine. When you're first meeting someone, uh, is there anything that helps make sure they feel comfortable with you? If it's at the end of the workday, I always make sure to try and get home and just, you know, shower and put on a fresh shirt so that, you know, I don't come in reeking of, of dog and sweat and So to and some extent, you have to repress the fact of the work that you'll be doing yeah. for them in order to make them comfortable? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's um, – you're basically lying <laughs> about, about how gross you are going to be when, when you're going into their houses. But it's an honest um, kind of lie. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You want to be more Schroeder than Pigpen when you're meeting them the first time. When you're getting ready for a walk, what kind of props or tools uh, do you have to gather to, to bring with you? 
do you just want me to go through the contents of uh, yeah? Why don't we go through the contents of your uh, your fanny pack? Okay. Um. So on um on the outer pouch um is you know perhaps the most important tool, which is rolls of poop bags. Um, I say rolls plural because I never carry just one. You always want to have a backup one because if you're walking about and you just keep using them, then you're going to run out and that could cause some friction with somebody who, you know, your dog does its thing in, in a planter box in front of their house and you don't have a bag, then, you know, that's just a recipe for disaster. How many bags do you think you go through in a given day? 15, 20. <laughs> Depends on uh, what the dogs uh, have for dinner the previous day or breakfast that morning. So you've got your your poop bags in there. Got the poop bags, a uh, pair of earbuds with uh, you know a mic and a, and a button, um, which is really really important. If you're out there with two or three dogs, you don't want to actually have to handle your phone. I probably talk to Siri more than I do uh, a lot of the people I know. You what know, kind of things are you asking your phone? If I get a text message, you know, I ask it to read the text messages. I've become very practiced in the art of speaking clearly so that Siri gets text messages right. <laughs> I also keep a bandana on, you know, it's mostly to dab sweat, but every once in a while you will need it for other things. For example, I, I will occasionally walk a five-year-old poodle named Benny and a one-year-old English bulldog named Bricks. Now, despite the fact that Bricks is probably two or three times Benny's mass, Benny still very much has an older brother complex. And so a thing that Benny likes to do is wait until Bricks is doing her business, then run up behind her and pee on Bricks's butt. <laughs> wait, and what? Yeah. Yeah. This is – yeah, dogs – Dogs can be every bit as cruel and, and vicious <laughs> as people. And, I, I mean, that's not going to be adequately taken care of with a poop bag. So it's good to just have, a, like, an actual cotton something or another. So you know, sometimes – Wash it that night. <laughs> sometimes that bandana is for you and sometimes it is for another dog who just had its own butt peed upon. <laughs> In which case, um, it is not for me again until I get that home and, and wash it real, real good. So yeah. apart from the bandana, do you have a standard dog walking outfit? Yes, and you're looking at it as we speak. It's a tank Tell us top. what you're wearing. Yeah. Uh, yes, I'm wearing a black tank top, um, very light cotton shorts, New Balance athletic sneakers, and short cotton socks. I learned on my very first day the importance of good shoes because that first day I just wore a pair of Converse's and I could barely walk for two days after that. I was in completely debilitating pain. Because again, I mean, you're walking for seven hours straight. You better have the right shoes or, you know, you're going to you're gonna be hurting. Let's see what else have we got in here. Pack of gum because why not? And then I've also got a, a spare leash in there. Why do you have an extra leash? I mean, for two reasons primarily. One, if I can't find a leash at a client's house, rather than waste the dog's time looking around for one, I'll, I'll just use my own. Secondly, if I don't like the client's leash and they don't have another option. Um, that'll happen because a dog is really high energy and might have a tendency to pull a little bit. And if they've got a rope-style lead, I mean, that hurts my hand. It's a rope digging into your hand. So I've got this um, flat, it's about, I'd say, three-quarters of an inch wide uh, vinyl lead that's a lot more comfortable. How long should a leash be? This one is four feet because it's just much safer to have the dogs as close to your side as possible. Like you're leading the walk. They're having fun. You know, if, if, if they smell something good in a planter box, then, you know, you guide them that way. But shorter leashes are better. I really, really despise 
retractable leashes. This is an industry-wide thing. Uh, I, retractable leashes are not safe. I don't trust that little plastic clasp in the slightest. I mean, there's there's no way to pull back. If you let the dog get 10 or 15 feet in front of you and a squirrel jumps out or something, then it's 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 terrible. Again, too too many too many X factors. I don't like it. Do you find that you're more cautious when you see other people with dogs on retractable leashes? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's when I will absolutely cross the street. And... Because you assume they're not going to be able to control their dog? Right. Uh, are there any other emergency supplies that you found you needed or things that you've brought along? Um, actually, I'm surprised I'm out of them right now. Um, antacids. I start walking at 9, maybe 9.30, and I don't stop till 4 or 5. And maybe there will be a 15 or 20-minute break in there, in which case I'll grab something from Subway, thus necessitating the antacids. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and uh, this this is what always tickles people, um, the massive thing of keys. How many keys are on there? It looks um, like a lot of keys. About, probably about 30 or so. I mean, again, I've got on average 12 to 15 dogs a day. Um, so it's going to have all those dogs' keys. But every once in a while, there will be dogs where you'll walk them once a week, maybe once a month. There are a couple cat keys on there. So how do you keep that many keys straight? Do you ever uh, find yourself fumbling uh, as you're at a door? No. No, after a while, you get used to which key is which. And um, they're color-coded by neighborhood. I'm just looking at them now. Um, the green keys are for LeDroit. The yellow keys are Shaw. Purple keys are for occasional walks and uh, cats. Presumably, they don't have the addresses uh, no. of the people on them or nope. anything. Nope, nope, just Just the pet's name. Okay. You know, because if I get mugged or whatever, then that's, right. you, you know, literally the keys to people's houses and un, untold amounts of treasure. That's beyond. You have a lot of access to people's lives. Their pets are a privileged, treasured part of their lives. You literally have the keys to their house. Have you ever run into trust issues or even concerns in that regard? I don't think so. Some people will be... Very particular about how you are to use the space. Sometimes people will tell you that they don't want you using the bathroom. I had one older client who said, "You, I don't want you moving beyond this point into the apartment. But by and large, if they're trusting you enough to give you their beloved pet, then going into their space is usually not an issue at all. Um, some of the clients have cameras. I don't think of it as a problem. You've been listening to dog walker Jason McGavro. In a minute, he tells us about how he takes care of the dogs when they're out and about, discussing how he leads the pack. Today's show is brought to you by Carbonite. Without automatic cloud backup, everything on your computer is at risk from hackers, viruses, disasters, or even human error. Few things are as bad for business as downtime, so why take the risk? Get Carbonite cloud backup and protect the files that keep your business running smoothly. Start your free trial at Carbonite.com. No credit card required. Use offer code WORKING. And get two free bonus months if you decide to buy. That's Carbonite.com, offer code WORKING. How do you decide which dog to walk first? It's pretty rigorously established. There's one dog whose mom spends a lot of time out of town. And so that dog actually needs morning, midday, and night walks. So you have to be there at 8 a.m. and then 8 p.m. or 9 a.m. then uh, then 9 p.m. Obviously, most people want the walks between the hours of 11 to 3, and we're usually able to meet that. You know, it's a balance of making the times that people want with just the geography of the walks. Do you work out the scheduling via the web? We use an app called Pet Check, 
when we're out doing our thing, the clients actually have a, uh, a QR code on a magnet. And so we clock in and out. At the end of the walk, they get a report card that lets them know if the dog did uh, its business, what kind. There's a little fill-in box for a report card, like here's something funny the dog did. And also uh, there's a GPS tracker. So they can see exactly where we walked. How long does a typical walk last? No less than 30 minutes. If it's rainy out, we'll bring the dogs home a little earlier to just, you know, dry them off. And it's not like dogs want to be out in the rain uh, for a full half hour anyway. What has to happen for a walk to be successful? A successful walk is is when the dog has peed and or pooped, depending on what the dog usually does in that time of day. Anything else that we might need to do, you know, if the dog gets a snack or a midday meal. But, you know, mostly if the dog has fun. If you run into another dog walker or stop by a dog park or anything, do you ever let the dogs relate to their fellow canines? I am really, really cautious about that. Definitely no dog parks, except if the dog park's empty. And even then, if I see, you know, another dog approaching, then I'll, I'll call the other dogs back. Um, just because when dogs are together in a pack, even dogs that might otherwise be a little aggressive will suddenly get it. There's that sort of in-group thinking and, and they chill out. Not so if another dog that they don't know just starts running toward them in a dog park. There's too many X factors. I don't like the risk. So whenever we see another dog coming, I'll stop and see what they're going to do. And and most people know they'll cross the street or I'll hop up on a set of stairs and wait for them to go by. What about when someone wants to pet a dog or, or otherwise interact with a dog that you're walking? How do you respond to that? I'm pretty cautious about that too. You know, not to offend you parents out there, especially kids. I don't like kids running up and uh, suddenly and, and, you know, sometimes freaking out the dogs, being less predictable than their larger counterparts. If they're clearly okay then sure, I'll let them say hi. But even then, I'll tell them, okay, just hold your hand down with the palm up and let her or him come to you. So it's the dog's decision. And even then, I'm, I'm keeping the dog on a pretty tight lead in case uh, anything remotely close to weird happens. Are there other issues that you run into while you're out with the dogs? Yes, and they are all people-related. Whether it's, it's it's people walking up to you and maybe, you know, trying to just say hello without permission, whether it's people riding their bikes down the sidewalk. I can't even tell you how low of an opinion I have of cyclists who are on the sidewalk these days. I've, you know, I've had dogs nearly get run over. I've had dogs freak out and start barking because a cyclist just comes right up behind us unannounced. It's it's not a good look. Um Motorists, people blowing through lights, people blowing through stop signs, people barreling out of alleys. You sort of have to be hyper aware of your surroundings at all times and learn to anticipate the unanticipated. <laughs> I've sort of mastered the art of, uh, of of holding the dogs about a foot behind me so I can, you know, angle my head around uh, the corner of an alley just <laughs> to make sure that, you know, the, that we're, we're not going to get hit. <laughs> How many dogs are you able to handle at a given time? I never walk more than three. Very occasionally, I'll do four at a time if I know that it's an entirely residential neighborhood with very safe streets. And even then, I have to make sure that all four of the dogs get along nicely, that there isn't anybody reactive or high energy. And In terms of getting that kind of pack attitude going, do they calm each other down at all? Oh, for sure. I've got a, a young pointer named Oliver, who's not even a year old, and he recently picked up a friend, um, an eight-year-old uh, 
fellow named Sam, and they they balance each other really, really nicely. They get it and they respect each other, and um, there's usually a natural balance with the packs. How engaged do you have to be while you're out walking with these dogs? Is there time for reflection, or are these very focused walks? It depends on the area. Like if I'm walking along 7th Street, I ne- <laughs> 7th Street is a minefield for chicken bones. Um, so you definitely need to be a lot more aware of your surroundings. But but every once in a while, sure, um, you can kind of go into a, a zen-like meditative state, you know, without actually floating away on a cloud. I mean, you, you have to be paying attention somewhat. But, you know, if it's a nice day and you've got like a nice long walk on a sidewalk through a residential neighborhood, yeah, absolutely. There's time for that. You're also a musician. Does that play into your dog walking life at all? I mean, occasionally if if I get – some uh, some of that meditative time that we were talking about, I'll, I'll switch on the voice memos app on my phone and just free associate some lyrics or sing a drum beat or a guitar melody or something and that may or may not turn into a song later. Or if I've just uploaded a fresh batch of, of CDs or music onto my phone, I'll bring a dog back and then be sure to add especially good songs to an iTunes playlist, which then I can use for you know a, a radio show or DJ set later. When you bring a dog back home, what do you have to do to make sure that it is ready to chill out on its own? I don't know. It depends on the dog. I mean, some people let their dogs just wander around the apartment or the house. Um, if it's a crated dog, I'll just make sure that they uh, that they get some water, especially in the summertime. Um, you know, give them some time at their bowl. And then, you know, when they're done, they'll look up at me and then, then I'll put them in the crate. So are the rate standard, is that established by Fairy Tales itself, by your company? Yes. For an individual walk, it's 20. If you're walking a pair, it's 25. Overnights, which could be us um, staying over at your house or us boarding your dog, which is um, something I do a lot. Actually, I'm picking up a pair of dogs this evening. That's $100 for 24 hours. How many do you have to do for it to be a kind of reasonable, healthy career? About 12 to 15 a day. That's about the average. It's a comfortable living. I mean, it's much harder than my previous lives, uh, you know, in office-bound jobs, to be sure. But um, it's ultimately more rewarding for a couple of reasons. Are there any other side benefits? You have a nice tan right now. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's a tan. I don't know if it's a nice tan because, it's, as you can see, it's <laughs> kind of – it's it's quite tank top shaped. When I first took the job, I lost about 30 pounds inside of two or three months. I mean, how can you not? You're doing low-level aerobic exercise for 35, maybe 40 hours a week. Do you have um, any uh, any advice for, for people who would want to get into dog walking? If, if it's starting by, I don't know, working from home if you can and – using your lunch hour to go take care of people's dogs because th- that is absolutely the peak time is smack in the middle of the day between their owners leaving and them coming back. If you can do that, if you can you know, spend the night at their house, if you make it clear that you're interested in pet care and get the word out, that's the way to do it. So you've worked a lot of other jobs. What is it that makes dog walking rewarding for you? Think about the day from a dog's perspective. They've already – Going through the worst part of their day, which is master leaving, just sitting around the house or in a crate for a couple hours, and then you hear the keys jingling, and you know what's about to happen, and you know your dog walker walks in, and you freak out. You know you're panting. You got a big smile. You you might be jumping up on the dog walker, and then you go have the best part of your day, have a drink of water, and then wait until mommy and daddy come home. Now imagine being on the other end of that again, twelve to fifteen times a day. That's it. That's can great. can you imagine just the 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 
just on a physical level, like like the the endorphins that that, that come from that. But but knowing that you have helped bringing joy to so many people's pets and to and to being involved in people's lives that way. About a, a week and a half ago, this dog Abby, who was just one of the most wonderful creatures I'd ever come across, just a sweet little lovey bear. And her family moved from their old apartment to Capitol Hill, which is well out of our service area. And her mom and I had a tearful goodbye. It was huge. I mean, I'm I'm actually getting a little worked up thinking about it because, you know, when you and the dog become part of each other's routine, I mean, it would be strange for an emotional bond not to form. And, you know, that's the one bad part of the job is goodbyes. Well, thank you so much for being here. This was a delight, Jason. Thank you, sir. I'm glad to be here. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for listening to this episode of Working. I'm Jacob Brogan. We'd love to hear your thoughts about the podcast. Our email address is working at slate.com, and you can listen to all six seasons at slate.com slash working. This episode was produced by the brilliant Mickey Capper. Our executive producer is Steve Lichtai, and the chief content officer of the Panoply Network is Andy Bowers. In a Slate Plus Extra, Jason McGavro tells us about his nemesis, a unicycling dog walker who is somehow a real person, despite seeming like a Portlandia sketch come to life. For a free trial of Slate Plus, visit slate.com slash working plus. Trust me, it is 100% worth it this week. This extra is incredible. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.